Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. It's not even a, a joke at this point. Like, it's not a bit. The moment we're not devoting our time and attention in any capacity to, to watching hockey news, hockey news will happen. Specifically Red Wings news. If you're asleep, a trade's going to happen. If you go on vacation, major signing. You blink, someone gets waived. Just how it works. On Friday, we'd like, we, we tempted fate. First of all, by pre-recording our draft preview episode, which is out right now, please go listen. Uh, on Thursday, and it posted on Sunday. And between then, between that time, a trade happened in- involving a draft pick. Of course, um, the funny part was that draft pick or that trade happened an hour into me getting to the cottage I was going to for the weekend. And like, look, I got to go to a cottage for a weekend. I'm not sitting here complaining, saying, whoa, it was me. It's, it was like very funny. But I was telling Brad, it took some work to decipher the trade fully because it was a little bit of an atypical trade. I'd had a few drinks uh, and initially didn't realize that the second round pick was going from Detroit to uh, the Islanders and not the other way around. We knew it was coming. We called it. I don't know if we said it on the podcast or when we were pre just before we hit record on the draft preview episode, but we knew it was going to happen. The with all the expansion protection lists and something like that, we knew a trade was coming or something silly was coming. Um, thankfully, from a controversy standpoint, the Red Wings list wasn't too crazy, so we didn't have you didn't have to deal with that from the cottage. But then, yeah. We the trade, of course, and of course it was a very simple trade, but all the implications behind it were very nuanced and detail oriented, and you know there's a lot of implications for a bunch of different things that had to be broken down in detail that can't really be done properly on Twitter. So I'm navigating a million different opinions on Twitter about people saying this is the worst trade they've ever seen, and stop complaining this is the best trade ever all while ryan's probably like four drinks deep and blackout drunk at that point uh so yeah it was a bit of an adventure that night oh man well anyhow um in our never-ending quest to try to bring you guys the uh the best and latest content we are doing this quick hit episode of the winged wheel podcast it's not going to be a full-length episode we're going to cover the trade we're going to cover the expansion draft list uh and uh just some quick details about what's to come this week on the pod. But without further ado, welcome to this uh, quick hit version of the Winged Wheel podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan. So let's get into it. The trade. Uh, Detroit Red Wings acquire uh, left-handed defenseman Nick Letty from the New York Islanders in exchange for Richard Ponick, who had half of his salary retained over the uh, remaining two years. So Detroit repa- retained $1.375 million. And Detroit also traded uh, the second round pick that they had from Edmonton, uh, which was pick 52 this year uh, in the 2021 draft. So Nick Letty and five and a half million dollars uh, for one more year for Richard Ponick, half retained and a second round pick. My initial reaction is I didn't love it value wise. 
as we understand it, the New York Islanders were pressed up against the cap. They needed help, especially um, with the flat cap, uh, with the expansion draft coming. There are a lot of different implications here that had the Islanders in a little bit of a squeeze. I actually identified the Islanders as a team that Detroit could work with to help clear some cap space, but <laughs> not quite how I imagined it. That said, I don't think it's as egregious of a trade as some made it out to be. Nick Letty's 30 years old. I think he's a far cry from you know the player he once was, but he's also not com- like a washed up player by any means. I think it's it's really easy to kind of label him as you know the Duncan Keith to put it with uh, some kind of recent news here, uh, like 35, 37 year old, completely useless defenseman, and that's just not the case at all. Um, but I don't know if Nick Letty and five and a half million dollars for a year is worth um, retaining half the Pontic contract and, and giving up a second round pick. The nuance here for me, Nick Letty plays one big important role. It was obvious what he was brought in for, and that is not just to shore up the left side of Detroit's defense. That's to give Mo Sider a veteran, stabilizing left-handed shot to play with. And that to me, that mentorship, like, it's hard to quantify that. There's not really a lot of stats that capture that. Um, the effect is sometimes a little bit hidden, but that is very obviously what was being purchased here by Steve Eisman and the Red Wings. So I'm just going to get my my most pessimistic opinion out of the way here. And uh, do we have faith in the coaching staff to have Mo Sider play with Nick Letty? Because Nick Letty's probably this team's best defenseman right now. And that means he'll probably pay 25-ish minutes a night. I don't think Jeff Blasio will want Mo Sider doing that as a rookie. But I digress. I hope that is the role he plays. The optimistic view on this trade. Nick Letty is still very good. I don't think he's as good as some public spheres make him out to be, but I don't think he's as bad as the analytics community makes him out to be. He was a top four, top two defenseman or top four defenseman playing over 20 minutes a night on a team that just went to the conference finals and um, and took the cup champions to game seven. That's not nothing. I know it's a, that's more a team stat, but Letty was a huge part of that. He was not a passenger on that team. He was a, one of the drivers behind them getting to uh, the cup final. He's a tremendous skater, which is, I think, the biggest reason they should pair him with Mo Sider because we've talked at length what's Mo Sider's biggest strength as a defenseman. He can skate like the wind for his size. So pairing him with a defenseman who can honestly keep up with him and push the pace with him is probably what's best for his development because you could put Mo Sider with Danny DeKaiser and he's just going to drag him down because he can't keep up with Mo Sider's pace and skating and et cetera. So I think Letty's a good fit there. Um, Letty still is highly regarded around the league. He's a pending UFA, so he's 30 years old, but he's a UFA at the end of the season, which means he's probably going to be in high demand at the trade deadline. Um, you know, there's always the gambles of he regresses because he's on a worse team and maybe he gets injured or, or something bad luck happens. But if, if everything goes according to plan, they should probably be able to recoup that second round pick. Um, so value in value out there. And there's some people who swear he's going to get a first round pick. If the Red Wings retain half. Okay. Fair. I'm if he's playing 25 minutes a night and he probably will be the number one power play quarterback for the Red Wings, which should help inflate his stats a bit. Okay. I can, I can see that argument. I'm not holding my breath for it, but I get it. So 
people are saying, okay, well, he you get him for half a season to mentor Cider, um, to help the power play. You know, people are talking about mentoring Cider, but if Letty's a good power play quarterback, he could mentor Chalosky too. Like there, there could be some value there as well. So let's not make it so pigeonholed. Um, where these arguments fall apart for me was where the expansion draft comes in, because obviously you're not giving up a second round pick for Nick Letty just to expose him in the expansion draft. Um, because then you gave away a second round pick for nothing. Um, so you couple this trade with the fact that they left Troy Stetcher unprotected, who could have also recouped a half decent pick at the deadline. Probably not as good a pick as Letty will get. Letty's a, a better player. Um, you lose some value there then. Whether it was a, a second, third, fourth round pick, you, you lose that pick because let's be honest, I think the likely pick for Seattle out of Detroit now is Stetcher. Um, yeah. you know, it, I, likely. I, I'm not saying he's a slam dunk, but he's the likely pick. Okay. Um, almost almost every single mock expansion draft I've seen from a uh, half dozen different outlets have had Stetcher going to Seattle. He's the best player available and he fits exactly what Seattle needs. Um, if they want to go super young, yeah, I'm sure Chalosky is going to get a look. If they want to... If they have a surplus of defensemen from other teams, Nemesnikov could get a look, sure. But I think Stetcher as a right shot defenseman is going to be appealing because, A, Detroit has a glut of right shot defensemen right now. And that's – they're in the minority for that. It is still a premium position. So, yeah, the value on the trade itself should cancel out if everything goes as we think it will. So fine. So you basically get a free half a year of mentorship. Okay. But then the Stetcher thing is a problem. Now, I, personally, I would not, I would have still protected Stetcher and exposed Lindstrom, which would have solved that problem. But whatever. That's what I understand the logic of protecting the younger player. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where I fall on it. I get it. I don't hate it. I don't love the value of the trade straight up, especially considering how backed up against the cap and the ex- expansion problems the Islanders had. I feel like they could have been leaned on more there, but Letty's a good player. There were probably a lot of other suitors at the table, which doesn't mean you have to make the trade, but still. So yeah, I'm I'm lukewarm on the trade. I lean towards the side of, I don't like it, but ever so slightly. Yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle on it too. I think I, I don't mind the trade at all, actually. like I think Letty... So now probably the best defenseman on the Red Wings. Um, he'll be providing at least a little bit of offense on a defensive core that has essentially no offense. Um, and he brings some great experience for the younger guys. So, you know, I like it from a personnel move. You know, you retained on Ponick. That's not the greatest of all time. But I bet you that was because there were other teams in on Nick Letty. Um giving up a second round draft pick obviously at first glance that's not great but you know you turn around next trade deadline and move letty and get at least the second back for him so you know in terms of current position and future position it makes a lot of sense to me um i didn't really expect the trade but you know i i, I don't think it's really that bad um there was something else i wanted to add but now i've totally forgot what it was well, the one part ah, I forgot. Mondays, to add. am I right? Yeah. 
I, I did forget to add a part, and maybe it's the same point you were going to make because um, I've seen a few people make this too. The things Letty is good at are the things the Red Wings are terrible at. He's a fantastic skater, great transition defenseman, and he can competently quarterback a power play. So despite all the warts in his game that you know a 30-year-old's going to have, at least what he's bringing to the team is something they lack. And when you say we want, you know, Stetcher, not Stetcher, Cider, and Chalosky and Lindstrom to have a mentor, well, this is the way a modern NHL defenseman plays. So let's not have Danny DeKaiser try to teach it. So it's, it's, it's at least worth noting in that. So how to transition the puck quickly, what to look for on the power play, you know, just even watching the pace of his play so they can see, oh, yeah, he's doing that a lot faster than everybody else. We should probably do that, too. Yeah, I think we're in a the, the age of, you know, a trade has to be either a fleece one way or the other. I think this trade is good for both sides, like all things we said about it for Detroit. But like this also helps the Islanders out. You know, I don't like helping out teams that are in a bind, but. I think it kind of worked out for both teams. Um, Islanders had to give up a guy they probably wanted to keep, but they're probably going to lose him for nothing in the expansion draft, so they get at least something back. So in uh, the days of the fleecing, I think this is sort of a win-win for both teams. An important thing to remember as well is moving Ponick's contract, even at half retained, uh, that does remove another... um basically liability for the Red Wings, not this next season, but the season after. Ponick had two years left, so that's another contract cleared. And I think moving out uh, or clearing up roster spots, not just contract obligations, roster spots is important for the forward group as well. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of maximizing value with respect to, you know, this team's in a bind and needs help and also a second-round pick – this isn't a winning score for me for the Red Wings. Um, but in terms of what they're bringing in, in terms of rebuilding a team and making sure you're taking care of your prospects, like development is as important as drafting. And you don't need to look further than Buffalo and Darlene to see what a, a bad development and bad system fostering that player's development can do to very, very good prospects. So if this helps Cider even a marginal amount, I'm willing to look completely past the fact that Eisenman didn't maximize value on this one. So eloquently put, I think by you guys, all the finer details on this, it's nuanced. You're right, Evan. And, you know, just a small point, this is a fantastic case uh, to demonstrate that you don't have to agree with every single thing your team or a GM that you love does. And it's fine. (laughs) You can still sleep. It's not black and white. It's pretty nuanced. Sometimes you don't know for a while. Sometimes you'll never really know. It's just that's the way these things go. Unless Iserman signed Zach Hyman to a seven by six contract, in which case the Iser plan is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, those Hyman rumors are making me nervous. I don't buy into them, especially seeing what the market for him is now. Does it make sense the Red Wings have interest in him? Yeah. Are they signing him to that? Good. God, no. Well, yeah, easy making hard declarations because you'll be both on old takes exposed. And- I have to make these hard declarations because if there's even a minuscule chance that the Red Wings are considering doing that, I'm I'm questioning the Iser plan in its entirety. Okay, I I refuse to believe it's true. Uh, the easiest thing that helped me move past that was the fact that no one really knows much about what the Red Wings do. There's no like leaks at all about Detroit's expansion list. 
ahead of time. Way in Motown. Yeah. Why I'm making the hard declaration because nobody knows. Yeah. All right. Uh, Speaking of the expansion, let's let's jump over to that quickly. Um, On Sunday morning, it was released that the Detroit Red Wings exposed the following or uh, protected the following players: uh, Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, Jacob Vrana. Robbie Fabry, Michael Rasmussen, Adam Ernie, Giovanni Smith, Philip Ronick, Nick Letty, Gustav Lindstrom, and Thomas Grice. So that notably leaves uh, Vlad Nemesnikov, Troy Stetcher, Dennis Cholosky, uh, among others, exposed. So not a terribly different list than what we were predicting. I think those of us who had Svechnikov on our personal list all had it with the big caveat of the Red Wings will not be protecting Svechnikov because where he fits into the system is obviously not where, you know, a lot of fans have him in their own personal sentiment. Very happy to see Giovanni Smith take his place. But yeah, that's that's the protection list right there. Yeah, that was the the breath of fresh air was seeing Smith and Lindstrom on there, even though I personally wouldn't have put them on there. Um, just the fact that it wasn't, you know, Vlad Nemesnikov, who's a very replaceable late 20s player with one year left on his contract, which is something Ken Holland absolutely would have done. I feel like we're dumping a lot on Ken Holland, and that's not on purpose. He's just done a lot of stupid things recently, like protect Zach Cassian in the expansion draft. But anyways, um, it's good that there's a clear eye to the future on this. Um, my only disagreements were, in my opinion, they picked the two wrong young players, but uh, it's fine. I like I don't ex- expect Svechnikov to get claimed. I don't. I almost don't even expect Chalosky to get claimed. So I'm, I'm not super worried about it. Um, I think Stetcher's gone, but it, it's funny because I put out my. People need to read. This is just a, a quick tangent that just was driving me nuts on Twitter because I made the joke. I'm like, okay, well, so we can all make fun of me in a few years. Here's who I would have protected for the expansion draft. And uh, like half the replies were, no way Detroit protects Svechnikov. I'm like, nope, I know that. I never said they would. That's just who I would protect. <laughs> so, um, and also that's probably a calculated gamble by Ezerman too. Even if he likes Chalosky and Svechnikov, he's like, yeah, they're probably not going to take him. Whereas, you know, Lindstrom and, and Smith probably have more appeal league wide, making them more likely to be claimed. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't like leaving Stetcher off though. I, I feel like he has too much value and he's only 27. So he was even a candidate to get extended for a few more years. Um, if things kept going well, in my opinion, he was the Red Wings best defenseman last year. If they had no, no plans for a future with Stetcher, he would command uh, a decent return at the trade deadline and, and demand some interest. Um, you know, especially when the guy who, who took his place was Lindstrom and Lindstrom's fine. I have, I have nothing against him. He's a good player. Um, he's just a very replaceable player. His, his, skill set and what he is as a player is arguably the most replaceable type of player in the league. He's a defensive defenseman who plays in the bottom pair, does not have any offensive upside, but half decent uh, defensive metrics. I mean, the Red Wings just signed John Merrill, who does that exact thing for a lot better for no money last offseason. So, you know, I, I get it. He's young. There's room to grow, and I'm optimistic he will get better. I don't think it'll be a ton better, but he'll get better. Um, to me, you just pr- protect the unique skill sets. Like Stetcher shoots right, skates like the wind, has 
exceptional defensive value. Um, Chalosky is a longer odds to reach his ceiling than Lindstrom. I understand that, but his ceiling is higher than Lindstrom's ceiling is. So if he hits it, it's a win. He's capable of playing on the power play, which which Lindstrom isn't. Uh, the last four or five games of the season, Chalosky finally started to so show some more assertiveness in the offensive zone, which we missed, which I took as a positive sign, but it's fine. I don't think he's getting claimed. So I'm nitpicking. Like this is if I had to predict what the Red Wings list was gonna look like, this was exactly it. I'm all right with it. Like again, not exactly what I would have done, but I get it. Yeah, I um I really like the takeaway here with Giovanni Smith. My personal take when I was protecting Sveshnikov over Smith wasn't that I necessarily even wanted Sveshnikov on the team more than Smith. Uh, it was the fact that I thought Smith was less liable to be taken if exposed. But still, I'm very happy the Red Wings protected Giovanni Smith because that implies he has a full-time future with the team. And I think he deserves that. Um, and I think he does bring a lot of value to that bottom six. It'll probably be a fourth-line role. But it's it's one that we saw that could be impactful in the future. Um, in terms of Cholosky... I'm not saying give up on the kid at all, and I'm not saying he's a bad defenseman. No, that's not it at all. I'm just saying there's there have been enough instances where he's had some kind of look on the team without relitigating this entire argument where I, I understand. It, it's similar to you, Brad. Like I'm higher on you, uh, higher than you on Lindstrom, um, but I think if they chose Cholosky or Lindstrom instead of Stetcher there, it's more or less the same thing to me. My nitpick is if we were going to leave, if the Red Wings were going to leave Stetcher exposed, then why not just trade him last deadline? But, you know, these things are fluid. You don't really know how it's going to go. You don't really know the thinking behind it either. Maybe you have really good intel that Seattle absolutely wants to take Vlad and Mestikov. So it doesn't quite matter um, what you do on defense. You just don't know. It, it could just be a thing on principle. You protect your young guys over someone who might not be on the team in the future. It's... It's it's small fries. It's it's really low level issues that the Red Wings have compared to other teams like you know Toronto or whoever else that has a lot of good players exposed. The Tampa Bay is going to lose a really good player as well. This is a silver lining to being a really shitty team in a rebuild. Is you're not going to lose much of value. Very quickly across the three of us. Actually, go ahead, Evan. Yeah, I was just going to say like. Even when we, I think we did some theory crafting on who we, who our protection lists were, the resounding notion was okay. Yeah. Like whoever we left exposed, who was the carrot they dangled to Seattle, it was okay. Whatever. I don't think any of us left uh, Troy Stetcher exposed, so I am slightly um, surprised there, but. At the end of the day, am I that upset about it? Not one bit. Um, things will, will be okay. I think I think we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, when we did our mock expansion list, Nick Letty wasn't yet a Red Wings. So also we true. had that we had that wrench thrown in. Yeah. I think if he was even on the team, it would still be for me, it would still be Stetcher, Letty, and Heronic as the three I would protect. I would probably be there with you, yeah. I do that as well, just because I think even if they like Lindstrom the most, I th- and this is just my gut feeling, Seattle's going to go and prove me wrong by taking Lindstrom. I would say Nemesnikov and Cholosky would be more attractive to Seattle than Lindstrom, but still. 
naming those guys. So obviously, Vladimir Mesnikov, uh, Evgeny Svechnikov, Troy Stetcher, Dennis Cholosky, among all the other players who are exposed, but those are just the most notable ones. Who is your prediction for who Seattle will take? Pick one guy. Stetcher. Stetcher is there for me. Uh, I would give him second place in terms of most likely just by a hair. I think Vladimir Mesnikov in my mind, just because how he can flip around the lineup. I I like with a team that has uh, a really, really deep analytics department like Seattle does. And the Red Wings sitting there with a 27 year old right-handed shooting D who's a darling of the analytics community. I have a real hard time believing that Stetcher isn't the favorite to be picked. Like I get it. Nemestikov's a center, but man, the Kraken, and we'll we'll get to it. They have a glut of top end forwards available to them, including centers. So if they're maximizing value, they are crazy. If they take Nemesnikov, I hope you're right. The best realistic case scenario for the Red Wings right now is they take Nemesnikov. You you know we could say oh they could take some other rando, but like being realistic, I think the only three targets are going to be Stetcher, Cholosky, and. Nemesnikov, I don't think anybody else is going to get any real consideration. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm, sh- I'll be shocked if it's not Stetcher. I'm with you there. I, Stetcher seems like the obvious choice to me. So you know, it's going to be Luke Glendening or something like that. Um, yeah. How, how is it not Troy Stetcher? He passes the eye test. He, he's great in the analytics department. Um, and he just came off a highlight real assist in the world championship. So I don't see a world where they don't take him, but I'd be pleasantly happy if they did not. Uh, Hackstall also was part of, or had originally scouted Stetcher in the past. So there's another connection. Coached him in college. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very quickly want to wrap this up by talking about some notable players, um, exposed, uh, Carey Price uh, agreed to waive his no-move clause to be exposed to the Seattle Kraken. Five years left at $10.5 million per year, including an $11 million signing bonus uh, due before the start of next season. In my mind, I saw that and I was like, you know what? Good on Bergevin for uh, maneuvering that because obviously the Kraken aren't going to take Price. That'd be ridiculous. I, they're considering it, which I can't actually believe they'll do i I guess they're considering it but like why on earth when you have drieger who you're they're very close to signing and you know kakinen or a a slew of other goalies available why would you make the carry price contract your problem is something that blows my mind because he just carried the canadians to the cup final and looking and looking at the rest of the players are available to them i didn't think we'd be saying this again but teams galaxy brain this again. Seattle can contend quick. <laughs> They're in a spot. They can build a very good team very fast. Um, would I take Carey Price? No, but I understand absolutely why they would consider it. And we can't be dismissive of the fact that Carey Price is a legitimate superstar. And Seattle's an expansion team. They could market the ever-living hell out of him like Vegas did with Flurry. So 
I Take get Tarasenko it. I, then. It could be, and it it could be both. That would be fun. Um, yeah. Again, I don't think they're going to do it, and I don't think I would do it, but they'd be crazy to not entertain the thought. But my favorite part of this expansion draft was over the series of about eight to ten hours, how news leaked about this, and in the order how it leaked was Oh, just the most entertainment I've ever had. I've, uh, someone, I think it was Frank Cervalli reported, hey, just so you guys know, Montreal's having this conversation about exposing him a couple hours later. Hey, guys, Montreal's going to expose him. A couple hours later, probably not going to get picked. A couple hours after that, Seattle having internal meetings, very seriously considering the idea of taking Carey Price couple hours later, Carey Price has a bad knee injury and might miss a significant chunk of next season, <laughs> according to sources in Montreal. A couple hours later, and his hip, his hip's bad. <laughs> like, god damn it. This is either the greatest accidental timeline in hockey history or Montreal just trying to manipulate everybody through the media because they thought, oh, we'll expose him. No chance they take him. Seattle, ah, oh, maybe we'll take him. Montreal, he's hurt. You can't yeah. have him. You're joking, but I think you're 100% right. I think it's that's amazing. exactly what happened. I love it. It was so entertaining. And the reactions to every single one of those tweets just made my weekend. Um, Price is there. Tarasenko is there. Landis Cog's a UFA, so it doesn't mean like they would have to sign him, of course. Uh, but that's a notable one. Toronto traded for McCann and left him exposed. And there's some thought, you know, we also don't like we're not going to dive too deep into this because we don't know what team's backroom deals or your pre uh, pre negotiated uh, deals with Seattle are to you know guarantee what player that they take or don't take, etc. Um, but that was another one that's really. It was a little peculiar. I get what they're thinking where they were worried they were going to lose one of uh, Dermot or Kerfoot. Now there's a chance they keep both because quite honestly, out of the options, if I were Seattle, I would take Jared McCann and not think twice about it. He is way better than he gets credit for. Uh, He was low-key my number one target for Detroit in terms of, hey, if we can help a team out, that would have been the guy I was targeting. Um. So they might walk away from this with the exact roster they had, although I thought their protection list <laughs> was bad. They like I get Justin Holt's good, but he's 29. You could have protected McCann and Kerfoot. I'm just, you know, whatever that's worth. But uh yeah, I don't know. I thought for sure this would be the year teams would learn from the mistakes made in Vegas and not overthink things. And then all NHL GMs did was overthink things. And now Seattle's going to be in a great position. It's, it's hilarious how NHL GMs just never get it. What's going on with, uh, Landis Cog. He's a UFA, right? I don't understand they're what all the big far, They're far apart in negotiations, Colorado and Landis Cog. Like they're not really close in money right now, so. So are they and, thinking um, Seattle will take him in the expansion draft? Is that what they're thinking, or they'll sign him as a UFA? I think. Well, he's a UFA right now, technically, right. and I think their thinking is they needed to. Colorado is a very good team, so they need to protect as many players as possible, and they're basically saying. Well, Landis Cog wants to remain an avalanche, so that's protection in and of itself. He won't sign with Seattle even if they pick him, so to speak. So it, it, they're pretty much betting that he won't take whatever deal they give him or they'll give um, 
he'll give them a chance to match. And if they can't match it, then they're like, well, we were never going to be able to keep him anyway. So it's a, it's a risk. I mean, I, won't, I don't want to say it's no risk for Colorado, but it's essentially them just trying to maximize the amount of their very good players that they want to protect. That so. makes sense. Yeah. Um, the carry pricing is funny to me. You are Ron Francis. Yes or no, nothing else. Yes or no, do you select carry price, Brad? No. Evan. Um, oh, they left Philip the No exposed, but he's a UFA, right? Yep. Uh, that, that was also my favorite part of uh, the expansion draft weekend was watching everybody. How did the Capitals expose Ovechkin? How is this guy? I'm like, guys, they're all they're all UFAs. They're yeah. not protecting UFAs. Like, why why are we still having this conversation months later? Oh, I'll be saying it until. I'll be saying it a month after the expansion draft, so don't worry. You can keep reminding me. Um, would I take Carey Price? Yeah, why not? Oh, my God. He's buck wild. The owners are rich. Isn't one of the owners Jerry Bruckheimer? Yep. Oh, yeah. I, the only re- the only reason I definitively say no is because I believe the injury stuff is true, and goalies generally don't come back from hip injuries all that well. Um, if I thought that was BS, I I probably would do it. Um, my answer is no, so I'm, I'm happy Evan was at least one one of us who had fun. Um, the expansion draft, Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We will be on YouTube, youtube.com slash podcast. Go subscribe. Uh, doing a live stream uh, coverage of the expansion draft. Tune in for that. When we hit end on that uh, live stream, we are immediately going to start recording a post-expansion draft episode to recap everything that happened. And then Friday, uh, Friday night before the draft starts, we'll be starting our live stream for round one of the NHL draft. Um, Saturday will be a Patreon exclusive stream of rounds two through seven. And then Sunday will be our post-draft recap. So a ton of content um, coming up very shortly uh quickly before we wrap up here a piece of news uh that came out today uh luke prokop who is a a nashville predators uh prospect who's under contract uh, i believe he's yet 19 years old uh came out as the first player under contract with an nhl team uh to come out as gay so uh really really um exciting and you know great for luke pro cop to come up with that i think the support that was shown around the league was also really incredible to see so uh good on luke for coming out and making that step and announcing that um can't imagine how tough that must have been so uh kudos and bravo to him yeah after seeing the immense positive reaction he got for doing it i'm i'm pretty optimistic actually that this will not over the next coming days and weeks but maybe months and years start a wave of players being comfortable doing it because we, we know the statistics of how many uh how many people in the average population are gay and you look at there's 700 players in the nhl statistics say there's lots of them and right now we have one so i'm hoping that number is going to be much much higher in the near future representation matters all right uh thank you all so much for tuning in to this quick hit version of the winged wheel podcast again if you haven't listened uh go tune into the um 
NHL 2021 NHL draft preview episode that's out right now. Uh, check out our live stream and episode that's coming Wednesday, the live stream on Friday for patrons, um, the live stream on Saturday, and then the episode on Sunday. And if we survive all that, I'm sure there'll be more to come afterwards. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.